1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Tell me Tell something I don't know.
0: Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Dan Potast, lead vocalist and guitarist for St. Louis, Missouri, ska punkers, MU330. I've known Dan for over a quarter century, and man, did we have a lot to talk about. Him and I discussed the inspiration, writing, and recording of the MU-330 track, Neighbor, taken from their 1997 third full-length album, Crab Rangoon. Dan shared a very relatable story behind the song of having a serious romantic interest back home while touring nonstop back in the day, and how it affected that relationship. He talked about how he felt this was the first album where he really branched out as a frontman, writing full songs by himself and being the sole lead vocalist. We touched on what each member of MU-330 brings to the table musically, in particular drummer and backing vocalist Ted Maul, who we both agreed is one of the most underrated drummers in punk rock. I found it interesting that even to this day, Dan rarely demos a song, preferring to feed off the spontaneity of creating it fresh off the cuff. One and done. And I think Dan is a wonderful example of carving your own path and musical career out of sheer perseverance, drive, and passion. He's a lifer. For all this and a whole lot more, strap on your pork pie hat and suspenders, and I'll see you on the dance floor. Hey. hey. Hey, Dan, how's it going? It's going great, Chris. You know, I got to thinking the last time I saw you was 2015. You were playing guitar with Skank and Pickle, and we did a couple shows with our friends Kamuri over in Japan, uh, and I can't believe that was uh, almost seven years ago now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's wild <laughs> that it's that long ago.
0: Where does the time go? And, and of course, started thinking the, the past couple days when you had mentioned that you, you could sit in on the show, and I just thought about... Uh, but thought about your band. Thought about you, me three thirty. I, I remember seeing you guys at the Hardback uh, Cafe, mm. which we just called the Hardback in Gainesville. Sure, uh, which would have been, which would have been around ninety four. I think that. Uh, yeah. I think Press had maybe just come out. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and J- Jason was still in the band. Uh, uh, your your ex vocalist.
2: Oh, okay. Well, interesting. If we were touring on Press, then our first singer might have been in the band.
0: No, it was definitely Jason. So it must have been Chumps. Then it must have been ninety-five. It must have, must have been Chumps. Yeah, it might have been
2: ninety-five. Then. Yeah.
0: And I want to say that you know, gosh, remember the the compilations everybody was on back then, <laughs> and I think that's how I heard of you guys.
2: Yeah, comps were so important in the, in yes. the like early nineties. Oh my god. Yeah, I met so many great friends through comps that I went up touring with and just remaining friends with to this day.
0: Yeah. Sure, and and it's crazy to think back to that time period. It, it, it seems so long ago in one breath, but it seems like yesterday and just, uh, you know, unless you were there, which you were, it was just such an exciting time. I I try to talk to people about this and tell them what the ska scene was like, especially younger kids that are coming to shows. Now they'll sometimes ask, what was it like when the whole third wave thing was starting? It was crazy. I mean, it was just, uh, it it was nuts. What, what do you remember about that period? You guys were shoved in a van, all of you touring around. Like what, what are some of your memories from back in those days?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean so much, but like, just going back to thinking about comps a little bit, I remember, what was it like the Scamageddon comp, the moon comp, like looking in the liner notes and seeing like all these bands from around the country. And just like, Blowing my mind, like whoa! There's ska bands in Texas. There's ska bands in Florida. There's you know, and like going mm-hmm. through their PO boxes, and like <laughs> I remember, like gals panicked from Austin, like mailing us their cassettes, and like our sax player Matt Nobby bringing that cassette to band practice, and us all <laughs> like taking a break from band practice, going out to the van, listening to their their cassette, and we're like, this is awesome we should yeah. pick up shows and that and uh just like that kind of like grassroots and germ to this day is one of my best friends
0: yeah and and Gal, gals panic had the i had a cassette of theirs uh i remember the song scoliosis skank
2: <laughs> the best <laughs> so good like
0: The reason I brought it up, I'm glad you touched on that. That time period that there was no internet and how how you networked was a being on comps, which I've talked before yeah. on the show. Uh, you got on comps, but you made friends with bands. I mean, we had we had slapstick in Chicago, we had MU in St. Louis. So when you went there, you piggybacked off other bands, so you had a crowd. Otherwise, you show up to St. Louis uh, on a Tuesday night, starting out as a band, you, you're going to sure. probably be playing to the bartender and, and one kid in a checkerboard jacket.
2: Totally. And I, I remember doing uh, like a little Midwest run with you guys at some point, really early. Yeah. on and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, one of the shows that stands out to me was I think Rockford, Illinois, playing at a skate
0: oh, yeah. park. Yeah, you guys stayed up with us that night. We me- I remember screening our shirts, and we slept on the ramps of the skate park. I was like <laughs> ninety five. Yeah, yeah, and I remember
2: Ted <laughs> like skating like really late into the night, and maybe you guys being a little frustrated with him skating too late <laughs> after you stayed up and uh, and screened shirts. I don't know if that. I
0: mean, what was what was there back then after hours? It was, you know, uh, beer, weed and and, and uh, skating. I mean, we had we didn't have cell phones. It's like, what what did you do to keep yourself occupied? You, totally. you know, uh, yeah. hit, hit the hit the waffle houses and, and everything else. But such an exciting time. And, you know, MU started you guys started in, in 88 and yeah. your last record came out uh, 20 years ago now. Ultra Panic. <laughs> Which again, I that that's insane, but really, really got to bro down with you guys uh, on the "Sky Against Racism" tour which, for sure, yeah. which was April of '98, and that was, uh, when you were touring behind crab Rangoon and the song we're going to talk about today, neighbor is, uh, on that record. And that record came out in 1997, Dan, I know you remember this for sure, but you had those staples that you listened to in the van. I- I'm telling you, we listened to crab Rangoon uh, a thousand, 10,000 times. I don't know what it was. We oh, knew man. the record front to back. <laughs> you had those albums and you, 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 you I don't want to say you got into a rut, but you got into like this, sure. this cycle of just listening to stuff. And, uh, that was a a really special record i i feel that you guys put out
2: oh that's that's really nice to hear chris that's nice i i know what you're talking about like certain albums just become like the soundtrack to your your life the soundtrack to touring at that point like and when you hear it like i don't know certain things like take me back to touring in that in that era and like all those memories come rushing back when i hear that song you know
0: absolutely and, and you guys kind of really were one of the first bands to me to to branch out you know you, yeah you were a ska punk band but you really embraced the the singer songwriter thing on crab rangoon and even the follow-up record uh, uh 1999's me 330 the self-titled where it was like this elvis costello jackson brown type thing that you incorporated with the ska that i loved because thanks man. as you know back then a, a lot of the bands were starting to be homogenized it was all kind of you know what band is that oh there's horns and upstroke guitars you it was hard to tell some bands apart. Sure. And I you guys set yourself apart on that record for sure.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah. That Crab Rangoon was kind of a pivotal record for us in that like I became the the lead singer on that record. The our yeah. first two records we had two different lead singers and uh Crab Rangoon, I I took over those duties and for the first time I was writing the songs and singing the songs that I was writing. So I felt like my voice was kind of full, for the first time, fully coming through on the records.
0: Yeah. And and of course, of course you were a five piece for the first time in the band's career you had, you know, of course, Rob Bell on trombone and, and, and with the addition of uh, that record, uh, Jerry Lundquist from Skank and Pickle, which That's- legendary, in, insane, wonderful human being Jerry is, yes. uh, Chris, uh, Diebold on the bass. And, and of course, Ted Mall on the drums. Uh, you guys were, were all rippers in, in, in your own right. And, you know, I also want to let listeners know you released five solo records between 99 and 2014. You've also uh, have a side project that you did called Stitch Up. You have Dan P on the Bricks. You played with the Bruce Lee Band. And most recently, you've been touring with Jeff Rosenstock. And I always said, I used to play sports. I've always said, I think one of the most important, sometimes overlooked player on the baseball team is the utility player. And and you are kind of like that guy in in, in Scott Punk. Like you're just constantly immersing yourself in projects and you know people ask me all the time you know how do you make it how do you have a career i've talked about you before i'm like you do it like dan p oh, you get the thanks, acoustic Chris. you get the acoustic you get the acoustic in the back seat you get your t-shirts in a box and you go town to town peddling your wares and selling your music yeah thanks <laughs> i think i
2: i have a pretty short attention span too so i think i get <laughs> bored with things quick and move on to the the next thing to go back a little bit there's i also play in a band called Sharkanoid. With uh, Rick Johnson from
0: Yes, Monsterpug yeah, from Monster Plug,
2: we put out a couple of full-length albums together as well. But yeah, I think I just—I also have a tendency to like write, record, and put out an album, and then just like forget about it and not <laughs> not too much <laughs> touring. And then, because by then I'm on to writing the next thing. So sometimes that's good, yeah, and sometimes that's a detriment.
0: <laughs> so I think it's great, and I'll tell you, you don't see a lot of guys that continued as they got older. OK, either they burned out or they said, I've had enough or I, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, uh, get the dreaded real job or whatever. But here you are out there year after year, as you got older, you're still at the merch booth. You're the merchandise person. You're the yeah. front. You know, you're you're the face. And there's something commendable to be said about that. You know, you've had a career in music because you didn't rely on some label to pick you up or, or this and that. You did it yourself. The old the old DIY ethic.
2: Yeah, I think each year. Uh, seems a little bit like gambling just like okay i'm gonna double down again and just gonna keep going all in again all in again this year and uh for me luckily it's kind of worked out you know <laughs> i mean it's yeah. worked out in that i've i've been able to keep being creative and put out new stuff so like yeah it's worked out <laughs> i guess it has
0: <laughs> I've used the term before on the show. Uh, you're, you're what I call a lifer, and it's refreshing, and it's awesome. And oh, thanks, for You it. know, going back to this record, there was a ton of songs that, that I, I, I even <laughs> had been texting back and forth the you. I kind of gave you some choices. Of what do you want to do? Sure. I mean, Tune Me Out, Father Friendly. There's just so many great songs on this record, but, you know, you said, why don't we go with Neighbor, because it's a great story, and uh, I want to talk about Neighbor. I want to talk about this track. Do you, do you recall writing it?
2: Yes. Yeah, I totally do. Man, okay, where to start? if we can get into the geeky music stuff let's get
0: into the let's geek out that's what we're here for
2: yeah i i listened to a couple of your podcasts to warm up for this and i realized like <laughs> oh i i can go there i can go there i'm not oh used, yeah i'm not used to talking about my writing process it's not something i often do with other people but here we go
0: uh- <laughs> and I think it's cool. And re- real quick before not to cut you off. Yeah. I just want to tell you, gosh, I don't even know how many we've been at this for a year and a half now on the show. This is one of the most different, arrangements of a song i've ever ever seen before it's it's intriguing so uh, when we get into this i've been so looking forward to this let's
2: talk structure man
0: (laughs) yeah we'll 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 get there but i but i guess we'll start with uh you know remember writing it and was this written for crab rangoon or was it something held over from a previous record
2: it was definitely written for crab rangoon
0: yeah it was in that
2: in that era where i was like okay i'm i'm the songwriter and singer now and like and that, I think, also allowed me to start writing some things that were a little more personal about my own life and just put that in there. And uh, whereas before it, it felt weird to write, would have felt weird to write personal stuff and have someone else sing it to me. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, maybe that would have been nice, kind of like there's a deflector shield, have someone else say the words that are in my brain. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that would have been a good thing. But I think the initial seed for this song like musical we'll start with the musical side of it came from just like a chord that I kind of discovered on the just like putting my fingers in different positions on the neck and kind of coming up with a chord that I was like, oh that sounds kind of magical to me. And uh I just I, I play it. I I got I brought a guitar because I knew I would I talk. love it. I love it. So so it's this guy. I just kind of um it's just a weird shape that I'd never seen or heard anybody play, you know? Um, and I had to actually like, s- uh, before this podcast, like, sat down and revisit like, <laughs> what the hell chord is that? I just knew the shape, you know? And it, is that like an
0: E flat, E flat seventh or something, or
2: it is, it's like an F minor six is what oh, it's about okay. to be, but it's a weird voicing of it. You know, um, it's got like, so there's like the F, the minor, there's a the third, and that's like the sixth, I think. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, it's just like, it's got a C on top, but anyway, it goes with back and forth. I started playing this with the, with the root the C it's in C and, and that just had kind of a, like a dreamy feel to it. It does. And, uh, and it, I just started humming. Yeah. Usually when I write songs, I'll, I'll play a couple chords and just start humming nonsense words. And sometimes one of those hums will turn into a word. Yeah. And that will spark a lyric. I don't often have a solid concept of what I'm writing. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to write this song about a neighbor. You know, I never have that in mind. It's usually yeah. I hum till a couple words pop out. And then I get a line, and then I start building off of that, either forwards or backwards, or
0: you know. Were you demoing back then? And if you were demoing, how like obviously, what Pro Tools wasn't really around then. Were you were you demoing to a four track to tape, or how how were you doing it?
2: Never demoing,
0: never. No. So you guys would rehearse as a band live, then you go in and cut the album.
2: Well, since I've been writing songs, like I've always had carried like a big sketchbook, and I always write all the lyrics in it as i write so i'll write them down as i'm playing chords and you know and then like write the words down usually write chords above it to kind of remind Mm -hmm. myself what key it's in and stuff and like i have books full of stuff that i i like would write chords and lyrics down and then i just i'd forget them (laughs) but like (laughs) i always thought like if it didn't stick in my head and if i didn't revisit that enough to where it was up here in my brain then maybe it wasn't worth finishing that song.
0: I've always said that. I, if it's not catchy enough to remember, then it's not worth not worth its weight in salt, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So like, if I get one like that, like, oh, where as I'm falling to bed to sleep that night, like if I get one that's like, oh, that's that's cycling in my head and I'm trying to remember the lyrics, then I'm like, okay, I probably got a hold of one.
0: Do you recall if you wrote this song in one sitting or, or did it take time to, to, for this to come together?
2: I'm pretty sure this this came in one sitting like pretty quick. There's not that many lyrics to it and usually that's the hold up like on if it's one that I have to like keep going back to and hone it's usually I'm stuck on verse 2 or like I can't get a second verse to like make sense with what I've already got or you know. But this one I think came off once.
0: I know that I used to do this. We didn't have time to demo it. You just threw an idea together and you go record it. So I'm assuming this was the exact same structure as the way you wrote it, but there's other stuff yeah. going on here. It's not just one guitar. So when you got in the studio, is that when you would be like, you know what? I want to throw another guitar over there on the left, pan over to the left, or I want to, I want to do this.
2: Yes. That, that definitely happened on this one where like we all always only have one guitar player. So my chance because i didn't demo stuff my chance to like add a second guitar was like in a panicked rush while we're paying for studio time like oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. i should play downstrokes on this part over the upstrokes you know let's let's try it real fast and if if it works cool but we'll move on because you know paying money
0: where did you record this record
2: we recorded with uh this guy dave probst in st louis and he was a guy that was like a local sound man for this band, this kind of goth 80s band called The Eyes that turned into a band called Pale Divine that had kind of of a moment in St. Louis. But he was like their local sound guy. But then he got into recording local bands for a minute. His time when he got into it and then he got out of it, like shortly after Crab Rangoon, I think. But he recorded all three of our first records. Press, Jumped yeah. on Parade and Crab Rangoon. And literally he, his like control room was a shed in his backyard, like a tiny shed.
0: <laughs> and... Uh, and you, well, you can definitely hear the progression uh, in those three records. I think a lot of it had to do de- definitely with you guys getting better as a band. You've been touring a bunch sure. on the road, and that that helps you uh, get tight as a unit. And I'm, I'm sure he learned something in those couple, a couple of years working with you guys and other bands.
2: Definitely. By, by Crab Ranking, we definitely had better gear, too. I remember for the first time like, <laughs> recording with like, decent drums and decent, you know.
0: <laughs> Things are in tune. What's that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we bought tuners. <laughs> things like that but yeah he got better and better too um and i guess worth noting because of the time you know the era that we recorded it it was all 100 analog there wasn't a computer screen in his no. head you know so right i b- i believe it was like a, like uh maybe i think it was all a half inch like half inch 16 track like a task cam i believe
0: Probably, yeah.
2: And I think it was 16 tracks because I mean I know we were bouncing stuff down to get more when we wanted to do overdubs in the end. You know, I remember mm-hmm. hi hats and snares or something, you know, combining a bunch of stuff. You know, mixing down the drums.
0: Something else I always thought was interesting with your band, and we and we ran into this issue because we at some point had two trombone players. Of course, Buddy, who's still with us, and we had Pete Anna from Slapstick playing yeah. less than Jake for a, n- a number of years. That's and- true.
2: Yeah, keeping it real with two trombone players. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and you guys did too. You didn't even have any more horn players, although you play the sax, which I I completely freaked out the first time I heard you. I'm like, you play sax? What? What don't you play? You were awesome. <laughs> um, but the two trombone thing is sometimes difficult. We had a producer like they're phasing. They're they're making each other sound weird. It doesn't it doesn't sound right. You know, they're they're in the yeah. same you know the same the same timbre and everything. But did you ever find that you ran into the issue with two trombone players ran into that?
2: Well, luckily, like both Jerry and Rob can like. They go pretty hard, like they play in higher register pretty well, you know? And uh, I always felt like it w- kind of worked out. The one big difference between like chumps and like crab rangoon, I I started writing kind of different parts for two trombones, like like faster passages, like that are more defined on a saxophone or a trumpet, like don't work as well on trombone. Like they start to sound a little muddy, you know.
0: The reason I said that is I never heard that issue with you guys. And sometimes it doesn't sound like there's two trombone players, the way those two guys played together and executed their parts. It's really, really cool how you did that.
2: Right. Well, they're good players to start with. And I I think part of it was writing different parts. Like if you think of the song Tune Me Out, that beginning where it's just like...
0: Double time drums and the horns going...
2: I wrote that part specifically because of how they played i wanted that to sound like a truck horn you know just like <laughs>
0: yeah. bang. and it does and, and, and it does
2: because i knew they could hit that high and like loud and i just wanted it to be like someone laying on a horn
0: you know what a great opening track too
2: <laughs> thanks um yeah it's awesome so so yeah i think it was a combination of those guys just being good at what they're doing and like and adjusting. Like, like if you go back to like Chumps on Parade, there's the one song Got Caught. Like a, at the end, there's like three horns and they're all doing like crazy shit. And the passages are all pretty fast, you know? I was like, okay, we have two trombone players now. I'm not writing parts like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna adjust <laughs> to who we have.
0: That's so important too. People don't talk about those adjustments and bands, especially on, on my I'm on the show here. We haven't talked about it too much. Sometimes you have to go, hey, this is how things are now. We have to adjust our writing and tailor it to what we have going.
2: Absolutely. And like honestly, when Skanky Pickle broke up and Jerry became a free agent, <laughs> I yeah, it, it wouldn't have mattered if he played Tuba. Or, you know, like (laughs) I would have wanted that guy in my band, you know, he's
0: such an asset. Yeah.
2: A genius and a lovely person. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if he would have played too, we'd have made it work, you know, and it didn't, I wasn't so concerned of like, like, Oh, we need a horn section that has like top end middle and bass, And you know, like I just wanted Jerry in the band. Cause like for the start, I feel like the relationships in the band and, those friendships those are kind of the most most important thing to me and like whatever sounds we made as a group you know the, like kind of the love between us is it's going to come through in the music you know
1: hey everybody don't you dare go anywhere there's lots more Chris to make the podcast
0: after these messages from our sponsors looking to elevate your music career distrokid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com VIP slash Demakes.
1: Hey, everybody. If you like Chris Demakes a podcast, I'm going to assume that you like music podcasts. And if you like music podcasts, check out One Hit Thunder. Each week, we dive into a one-hit wonder. And along the way, we gain some knowledge and have some laughs. Lou Vega, Crazy Town, Harvey Danger, The New Radicals, Aha! We're over 100 episodes in now, and to paraphrase the great Matthew Wilder, nothing's gonna break our stride. Subscribe to
0: One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. And now, back to the show. I wanna get into the song now, Dan. It's two minutes and 42 seconds. It's a snare drum off the top. Boom! And you're just in. Tell
2: me all about
0: Guitar, bass, drums, and vocals. And we don't get horns for a while. That's kind of odd, okay? Because, you know, Scott Punk bands, you, you have the horn hook at the top or there's somewhere. The horns don't come in for a little bit and, and yeah. we get there. But uh, what are you calling this off the top? Is this verse one that starts it? You know, as I was toying, I'm like, is this the chorus? And I'm calling it a verse.
2: I was trying to think of this. Like, I, I listened to <laughs> this song last night. And like, I don't think I've ever really analyzed, like, what's the verse chorus?
0: I think it starts with chorus. Do you? I, well, it's it, it's your song, so we're going to call this chorus one. I have it as verse one, and I want to read the uh, the lyrics here to verse one slash yeah. chorus one. Uh, and I want you, I want you to set them up for us. Tell us what's going on. Sure. Uh, the, the lyric is: Tell me all about your neighbor. Tell me something I don't know. His chest is thicker. I don't have to measure. I know that it's bigger. I don't know about your neighbor. Right. Okay. So this was about.
2: girlfriend (laughs) at at the time we had gone out in high school and that relationship continued into college to the point where we were touring a lot a lot like to where like I had dropped out of college and and uh, she was still in St. Louis going to school and had moved into an apartment and in this apartment complex she had told me one time once when I had gotten back from tour that she had like hung out with her neighbor this this guy from downstairs or whatever had like come up and they had like made dinner or something and and uh not good not <laughs> yeah yeah but, but, like in retrospect i'm like that's pretty cool she's forthcoming about it you know and but i think what she was communicating like in that conversation was that was that she didn't really even want to hang out with this guy but she was because Basically, because I was gone all the time.
0: She was lonely.
2: And yeah. So like, I think this song you just in general to me feels like about what like really any, as you put it earlier in the podcast, any lifer, you know, anybody who has dedicated their life to touring at some point has you know lost a partner you know
0: or a marriage missed funerals missed birthdays missed graduations missed you name it
2: yeah that that probably at some point in your life if a relationship hasn't like dissolved it's been affected like heavily you know just Mm -hmm. by your absence and uh so that's kind of what this song is 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 my first like real experience with with like a pretty long-term relationship starting to just like tear apart
0: this is so cool for me dan because i've uh, you know heard this song going back now 25 years 25 years since I first heard it <laughs> yeah and I just love the song I never really paid attention I knew, I, I knew every lyric to it but but hearing it from you now and and just the fact that I never even asked you about it before is kind of kind of kind of funny to me but uh, after verse one chorus one whatever we're calling it sure. um it, it's one measure of a guitar solo Hand off left it almost sounds is, is that a wah pedal on that
2: no no that's all in the fingers baby
0: <laughs> is it okay it almost <laughs> it almost sounded like a slight wah is on there it's got like that kind of waka waka like kind of kind of sound there
2: i was certainly making that face the wah face as i bent that <laughs> so i think that might have affected the sound of it i was i was thinking about that i i when i listened to the, re-listened to the song i was like oh I remember what guitar that was and it was this weird, it was a weird guitar I had for a while at that time that I recorded most of this album on. It was the Fender Prodigy. I don't know if you remember, oh. remember that? No. Uh-uh. Okay. So like Fender Prodigy was like, I think early mid nineties Fender attempt at being an Ibanez.
0: Ah. So
2: it had the Ibanez body shape and then the, like a rear humbucker and I think two single coils, like middle and front. And uh, I loved that guitar. It sounded so good. At, like uh-huh. for what I was doing, you, you kick it to the back for like the crunchy stuff and then yeah. so ska on the front. So that was my go-to guitar. I eventually like one tour, we we drove home overnight and like I was getting stuff out of the trailer and I set two guitars on the sidewalk and didn't put them in the trunk of my guitar and I drove away (laughs) (laughs) just lost two great guitars that oh man American Strat is like gone forever
0: oh what a what a bummer
2: and I tried to replace that guitar and I bought another one. And it was not as good. It just didn't sound sound the same. Anyway, I
0: know I've 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 lost guitars before. and went through the same the same issue. You could just like whoa! I, I could never replace that. Uh, and I've had cheap three hundred dollar you know Epiphone knockoffs that just had that certain charm to them. I've, yeah. I've, I've been there. So what I was
2: what I was getting at was that guitar for some reason. Okay, there's it's like, wah, wah, nah, nah, nah. and then there's a, like like a really high like squeaky thing. That, yeah. that happened by accident because I, I pressed hard, like with the back of my hand and the string would hit that humbucker pickup and make a really high pitched, like two notes. But it, it just happened in a cool way when I did that take and it sounded like I hit some crazy high note. Anyway, I, I always love that when I hear
0: that part. That's interesting that it did that. It's like almost like it's on the verge of, of feedback.
2: Yeah, yeah. Definitely the, the sound, you know, it's, it's cranked and there's a lot of drive on it. But like that really high squeaky note is just the low E string accidentally getting pressed and making contact with the humbucker pickup. Anyway, I, that was like a cool weird detail that I had totally forgotten about until I re-listened to it last night so
0: yeah. i've always loved those little accents and sometimes i i've done them in the studio and i'm like i gotta re- recut that and then like the other guys in the band or producer like dude that was perfect it was like this cool little thing and <laughs> then i'm then you're thinking like well how do i replicate that live it was an accident yeah you know? sure but uh this next part w- would you call this a chorus the, the next part or, or, or a verse
2: what is the next part
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the next part the next part is after this guitar solo <laughs> By the way, these lyrics are, are great. Please don't talk about your neighbor. I don't want to hear his name. He's built like a barrel and his arms are large and my arms are skinny. I really <laughs> fear your neighbor.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember if if I, I don't know if I ever met this actual neighbor. This, I think, is just like diving into You know, all my insecurities,
0: you know, (laughs) I'm glad you said that because that last line to me, it didn't so much mean that he's bigger than you. He's going to beat you up. You fear him. You fear what he's going to do to your relationship. Sure. For sure. There's also introduced on what I'm calling. This is verse two. uh, There's eighth note guitar, kind of an overdriven guitar that's panned off to the right. And do you recall why you did that? Uh, Introduce that there. Did you want the song to build or?
2: yeah yeah I think just in general I was starting on this record in particular to think more about arrangements and it's was like okay this is a part whether you call it a verse or a course it's a part that repeats from earlier in the song and I think that's just good songwriting and song arranging practice like when the second thing comes around make it different you know whether you add a keyboard or organ part or a second guitar that makes it a little bit different and that's that's exactly what I was going for. And this was like a kind of like a split second in the studio. Like, oh, that's like that needs something different. Let's let's try this. And I just just played the same chords, just downstroke. So like nothing, nothing fancy, but I love it. I love when that part comes
0: in. I love it, too. And what's great about it is, is I don't recall ever listening to this song in headphones. I'd always listen to oh, it in the cool. van with a band. And and I, I always listen to headphones, y'all, I, because you can really hear everything. And when that part came, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I don't remember really hearing that. I guess I always felt it, but never heard it. The next part is what I'm calling a horn interlude. Uh-huh. Uh, The horns are now in for the first time for two measures. It's the first time you you hear horns in the song uh, playing, uh, riffing off kind of the vocal melody here. There's also an overdriven guitar that's panned right. That is kind of accenting the upstrokes of the ska guitar that is predominantly panned left. And it's kind of this interplay between that. I think that part's really cool too. Do you recall doing that?
2: Yes. Yes. And going back to the the horn line there, it's interesting that you said like, Oh, the horn line's kind of, replicating the vocal from because the, the horn line was definitely the first thing that was written in the song like once i came over that that was like oh i like this dreamy chord uh, i uh-huh. was, i started humming it to end whatever you know and like yeah and that horn line came out first and then i started writing you know lyrics to that melody so to me that was already a horn line it just i saved it till later in the song you know so
0: Okay. Which is interesting because when I was analyzing this song, I never thought about this before, but I'm like, this song starts with just the snare drum and you're in, which I think works here because this song's personal it's kind of like you're talking tell me all about your neighbor there's not an intro so to speak with what would be because the the horns would have been perfect to start this track sure they could have yeah but but they were they were saved to hear and i think it adds that personal quality to the song that it just just starts out like you're talking to your girl right right off the top the next part dan would you call the next part a bridge
2: I would definitely, I'd, I'd call that a bridge for sure.
0: You'd call this a bridge. Okay. Yeah. He probably owns a gun, but doesn't need it. <laughs> he could squash me like a bug and fix your car at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so were you assuming he was a good mechanic or did he just, <laughs> he just fit, fit the, fit the description.
2: Just again, like this is more just like a list of my own, like insecurities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know um because
0: i know jerry can fix a car i'm not good at fixing cars. no
2: i've gotten better at these things i i i have an 85 toyota van that i've had to been forced to have to work on so um i i don't know at the time i i think i was just like like what are things i can't do that like Maybe it would seem attractive to someone else, you know. That, like, <laughs> like, like, what is, what does she see in this person? You know, like, yeah. is it, It's probably yeah. all the things I'm unable to do.
0: Well, this part I gotta say, you know, the whole rhythmic feel changes here, okay, drum wise. And I'm giving a shout out to Ted right now, Ted Molly, the, the drummer MB330, so underrated. Yes, yeah, I don't know what you never heard him talked about in circles of drummers. This guy I used to watch Ted. I'd sit in the side yeah. of the stage, and be like, ha. and then he would sing too and play. I'm like, how the heck is yeah. he throwing down that beat and singing at the same time? So, you know, I really think he was to this day a phenomenal uh, drummer. That guitar from the the horn interlude is still panned right, providing yet another counter rhythm. There's another feel that comes in here on this bridge. Again, do you do you recall how that came about? I don't
2: necessarily recall anything about that guitar part. But going back to the drums, this bridge is classic Ted Mall. Like he. Yeah. He loves like kind of turn turn the beat around on the bridge, yes, yes, in in such a cool way. He is, I I want to go back and just like reemphasize what you were saying. He is totally underrated, and the reason I would say he's like the best drummer to play with. He's the most musical drummer that I know. Like he's so in tune with the with arranging and the flow of a song that he makes things you know we were talking about earlier like okay second verse you know you do something different with the guitar the instant i start showing him a song he's like working it out like okay this is this this section this section i need to do something different on this section and make it make the song move forward he's always pushing the arrangement forward and he's just like he's the best <laughs> he's the best drummer and like also kind of unconventional like wasn't super into scott
0: yeah he's great you hang out with a band long enough you can always tell like okay who who, who's the ace card up their sleeve and i always knew ted was he was just that such a valuable uh valuable part of your band great drummer the next part i called this verse three dan lyric is i just lost you to your neighbor but i don't think that he's your type he's always there and he makes you cook and you never cook (laughs) and this part the the drums actually drop out on the first two lines it's just a kick and some clicks on the ride cymbal and there's guitar feedback that's panned left uh, and the horns are in with the verse melody again here for the next five lines of the song the stereo eighth note guitars come in and the kick drum is following them uh, with eighth notes as well as on the, on the ride cymbal. And uh, I, I called this verse three and then the next part, uh, I'm calling a post verse before the outro at the end. And this post verse, we were just talking about it a moment ago. Ted, how he kind of throws the beat. I I said a backwards drum feel comes in here on this part where you say retrieve a beer for your new, retrieve a beer for your new, retrieve a beer for your new neighbor. And then you let out this spirited. Yeah. Right there. It's interesting at this point in the song, uh, on the second, uh, retrieve a beer for you are new. That's the first vocal harmonies that come in on the song. Right. Do you remember why there wasn't harmonies earlier or why you decided to put them there?
2: I definitely think we were saving them intentionally. Like, cause we have backing up. You have that, that full, like Weezer build. That's why it's got where it's just like downstroke. Yes. Kick, kick drum. It's like, I was, I was listening to Pinkerton, like, hard around that time. And that, that uh-huh. is, was, like, hitting me, like, right as I was breaking up with this girl. So, yeah, there's elements of that. And the feedback-y guitars, like, all that, I think, is, like, directly come from weezer
0: well there's also that you know and this is i'm glad you said weezer because i had had written here (laughs) weezer-esque distortion guitars are now strumming these big chords till the end of the song so you want to talk about a song building this thing just keeps keeps growing here i i love i love this what i'm calling the post verse uh, because it sets up the outro perfectly
2: nice yeah that part when the harmonies come in going back to your original question definitely we were i was saving that like and then where the vocals split off and stuff like i just wanted something something big to happen after that build and something new and different
0: well after you let out that yeah now we hear ted yeah! Ted's voice comes in and I always loved his voice too. It's got such a great, just ah, I don't know, it's just full, but kinda of, kind of a little grovel on it. Just a great voice. And and Ted's saying, Tell me all about your neighbor. Tell me something I don't know. And the drums uh here are going double time on the snare for the first two lines. yeah. Then the drums go halftime until the very last line of the song. And this is where you're and Ted's vocals are starting to go back and forth. And you're saying, where did I fall short? And Ted's saying, tell me something I don't know. And you say, when did you get so annoyed? And Ted is, is saying, with you at the same time, uh, that's kind of floating in between what, what you're saying. He says, tell me something I don't know. You say, where did I fall short? And Ted says, tell me something I don't know, oh, oh. He holds out as you're saying, when did you get so bored and then there's this interesting thing that happens there is one measure of a build-up with drums bass and guitars till the coda here the very last thing that happens you say where did I fall short and uh, the very end here has drum hits with the band and the final hit is bass drums guitars and the horns to end the song something about the way you sing this last line. It's got like this, you know, not just because you've worn the horn rim glasses and people said you look like Buddy Holly all these years. You just have, it has this 50s feel to me, that way you sing that last line. It is so, it's so good.
2: Thanks. Yeah, and I was, I was, I've been thinking about how, like those questions I ask, you know, like, like, where did I fall short? You know, when did you get so bored? You know, like, it's funny because I feel like I answer all those questions earlier in the song. You know, when I say he's always there, you know, the answer is I wasn't there. I wasn't around. (laughs) Like That's where, you know. Yeah.
0: Even if I could fix your car, I wasn't there.
2: Yeah, totally. All those things, you know.
0: Did your girlfriend at the time ever hear the song or know it was about her?
2: I don't know. Uh, I would assume yes. Uh, And yes, (laughs) but we have not really talked so (laughs) all right
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna find her on facebook and send a link of the episode to her good luck (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that um what lastly here dan before before we wrap up do you recall playing the song uh live did you did you play it before you recorded it uh, or did you not play it until after the record was recorded and what was the audience response like to this track
2: we probably did play it a little bit before recording but not that much. I feel like Crab like a lot of those songs we didn't, maybe didn't play as much before recording it. But I always love playing this song live, mainly because of the feel. There's something about the tempo of it and the bounce that like I love about Scott. Like those kind of slower, like mid-tempo bouncy songs in a set, I feel like works so well. It's almost like a break that people can just Mm -hmm. like bounce and bob and dance. And like that feel when you look out from the stage and you see people bouncing feels so good. Like, like, Oh, (laughs) the bounce is happening. And like, it just feels like, yeah, people are having a good time, (laughs) you know? And it's not a song that like you would see people slamming into each other. It's, it's more like, no. And, and that's, that's fun to see too from the stage. But like, I, something about the bounce is just like, Good times. Good times are happening right
0: now. I'm glad you brought that up because that's nothing that I would have said. And you're so right. There's such a great feel of the song. And I know we've talked about Ted a bunch. It's it's really the whole band and that chemistry of what you were talking about. All our personalities coming out in this song, but uh, such, such a great feel uh, with this track. And for me, man, uh, I can't tell you enough how many times I talked about it on this show. It, it Music is all about memories for me. It's, it, and when I listened to this, man, it took me right back to the van. It took me back to Scott Against Racism with you guys cool. and just... I I think I knew at the time that they were special times, but I I, I didn't really realize because when you're young you you're, you're invincible. You're gonna live forever. Sure. And looking back now, it was such such a wonderful, uh, special, happy time of my life, and 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 you were part of that, and this the song was part of that. So, Same
2: Chris. I I think that about you too, and your band, and and just those times we had together. Good stuff, you know. You know, I'm, yeah i'm really well, thankful we got to do that together
0: absolutely and uh so you know want to want to thank you for sitting in and before we break here what's going on with you what what's what's your next endeavor when you when you hit the road again when's new music from dan or mu or anything coming out yeah when's a new mu 330 record coming out come on <laughs> maybe 20 years i don't know
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure with mu 330 we played a show like right in February, right before the pandemic. And it was, it was great. It was like a hometown show, Delmar Hall, it was super fun. But I don't know when that will happen again. Right now I've been going hard with the, the Rosenstock band. Yeah. We just did like a, like a month and a half and somehow managed to play all the dates and not have them canceled. But we, we had a bunch of dates in January, but just canceled them because <laughs> right. it just seemed right. things were too hairy. You know, like, like it just seems too rough hospitals filling up and and everything. So right now, I don't know. We're trying to postpone those to the summer. Fingers crossed that the world you know feels a little better to get out there and have a room full of people. But in the meantime, I have a new solo record that's in the can that I just uh, need to basically get it mastered that I'm stoked on. Kevin, the drummer from Death, Rosenstock, played on it and I. I played everything else and uh that's great yeah i'm I'm stoked on it. i th- i went this one feels just like kind of more rocking kind of more rock and roll than a lot of my solo records and yeah stoked on that and and just i'm stoked to be home from tour and with my dogs and and be hanging out going to the beach a bit and writing music that's my plan so
0: that is awesome. And please do me a favor and send my love to uh, Ted, Rob, Chris, and Jerry. Tell them I said hello.
2: Will do, Chris. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You've done an amazing job with this podcast. I have listened to a few episodes. I, I flew from St. Louis yesterday. So I downloaded a few and checked it out. And you're doing some cool stuff on here. It's really impressive. Thank you. Yes, that you've got. And, and just, it's, I love that you dive deep into like songwriting. You know, it's, it's really, interesting it's really neat to hear uh hear the hear the curtain pulled back a little bit you're, do, you're doing cool stuff
1: hey everybody don't touch that dial there's plenty more Krista makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors
0: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Make's a podcast, all you have to do is email your song via mp3only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Tired Radio. They are a four-piece melodic punk band from Brooklyn, New York, consisting of Anthony Truzzolino, Kevin Daly, Jay St. Angelo, and Chris Schmidt. Their debut album is called Patterns, and here's a snippet of their song, Making Plans. The rap with Chris and Chris.
1: That was really cool, man. I love it when you have an old touring buddy from your world back in the day. It's like old friends catching up and... Uh... I think episodes like this really flow
0: nicely, for sure. And Dan is one of the nicest guys I've ever, ever met in the business. He's just—you get what you get with him. I've—I've I've never seen him angry. I imagine if I talk to his bandmates or people really in his inner circle, that uh, they can say, "Oh yeah, Dan can get mad." I, I've just never seen it. He's just such such a sweet human being.
1: Yeah, I could tell, and I really. Uh, you always score points with me when you talk to us about, hey, I listened to your podcast. I listened to a bunch of episodes. So like he knew what he was getting into here and he was talking to us about past episodes that he had listened to. And I don't know. I just always like that. I always think it's cool that people would take the time to do that and then come on and be be prepared for what they're getting into on Krista Makes a Podcast.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and there is so much history there. Like I said, I I, I liked his band before I met him and then we, we really got close on that Sky Against Racism who uh, all the bands on that thing had an absolute, uh, absolute blast together. And um, you know, I, I wanted to point out that uh, he's the ultimate lifer in this business. He just goes from one project to the next. He keeps pushing forward. He, he, he never tried to be a star or, 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 or be uh, in the now or, or chase trends. He was just, he was just Dan Potast and and he's just always been great at that. And he, like I said, he'll throw the acoustic in the back of the car with some t-shirts and go door to door and, and, uh, and make a living and, 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 uh, you know, you, you don't have to be on a label or be the most popular person in this business as, as long as you have your head screwed on straight and Dan's done it the, the right way. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's a very authentic dude that loves music and is
1: making music for all the right reasons, you know? And that, once again, that comes back to that word, lifer. I think I'm a lifer. I mean, you're a lifer, Oh yeah, <laughs> right? oh yeah. So we can definitely relate to that kind of stuff just as I think that most lifers can relate to this song in a, in a way male or female if you're somebody out on the road for months and months and months especially when you're younger I feel like now at my age now I'm more equipped to handle being away but man when you're younger and you're in a relationship <laughs> yep. and you're calling your girlfriend or boyfriend back at home and to be honest you being the one who's out there on tour shouldn't be getting jealous about anything but man it's inevitable you'd have to be (laughs) you'd have to be some sort of superhuman especially if you're in your 20s to not have felt the way that dan felt when he wrote this song
0: yeah and i think that his vulnerability really comes across in this one line really sticks out you know and and how many times have i heard heard this track over the years but this one line uh because he's talking about how the other guy's built like a barrel and his arms are large and uh, and my (laughs) arms are skinny but the line is i really fear your neighbor and i even said it in the episode you know you don't fear the He's going to beat you up. And I was, you, you fear that you're going to lose your girl to this guy, you know, and who can't relate to, to losing someone in a relationship. It's kind of, kind of universal and and uh, you, you can relate to it.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty cool and deep line in what is, you know, otherwise might be like more of a, like a lighthearted fun song about this. But that line, I don't know, that line really resonates. You know, it's it's really uh, uh,
0: telling, you know, of a, a serious Thing, yeah, that we've all felt. Yeah, and, you know, and he he mentioned at the end, and and I'm always careful with telling bands that you kind of sound like this. That I've always thought they were, you know, uh, the the ska answer to Weezer. They've always had those elements the way Dan uh, his de- his delivery and singing, and they had a a great career. They they played to a lot of people. They they have fans all over the world. But uh, Mu330 is a band that I thought more people should know. They've uh, they're they're a great band individually. They're a great band. I really liked when he talked about.
1: <laughs> the ska free agency because <laughs> I can imagine it sounds like that has happened so much I never thought about that that's how you got JR right he was a free agent at that moment
0: that's how we got JR I mean that's how the boston got Chris Rhodes when he left Heel Jack it's uh, Tyler Jones uh, from Springheel Jack that went on to play in Real Big Fish when Jerry quit skanking pickle he went to MU330 and on and on and on pa- Pete and Anna from Slapstick went to Less Than Jake so uh, yeah as soon as someone came up with uh, <laughs> they'd, get, they'd get nabbed if they were good enough
1: well i could imagine part of it has to be a you play a horn b you're willing to travel to play that horn c you happen to be into this specific type of music this ska punk music i mean there were only so many people out there i mean maybe in the late 90s there was this boom of people but people that were and i mean and most importantly on top of that a killer musician. Yes. So, you know, those people are few and far between. So I thought that was pretty funny to think about
0: the scoff-free agent market. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's really funny. And and again, you know, I, I had talked to Dan uh, at the top, and, and it, it, the memories from this time period for me when I was in it, and uh, I remember talking to Mark Hoppus about this. You know, uh, the one thing he wishes, if you could go back, was to soak it in a, a little bit more. We didn't realize how special it was. It was such such a great time. I mean, there was ska punk shows every night and it just seemed that everything was exploding right before our eyes. Yeah, yeah, I can
1: relate to that at at different parts of uh, my band's musical journey. I can relate to that too. It's very, very cool. And uh, Chris, I got to say, this album was called Crab Rangoon, and you know, I'm always snacking. <laughs> <During, laughs> while, while you guys are recording, I'm always snacking, and I did not have any rangoons here. I did have some recently that my buddy Johnny made in his air fryer. Ah. Oh, they were great. They were great. They, not crab, just like cheese rangoons or whatever. They were great, but uh, I had to have some uh, Ritz crackers with cheese on them while you guys were Snacking so hard. Yeah, it is. All that, all that anxiety of uh, for no reason while the, <laughs> while the podcasts are being recorded. It makes no sense. I'm not even the one doing the I'm just the one who edits it. It's not like I'm there talking. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I call it anxiety
0: snacking. That's what I call it.
1: Yeah, and you know what else gives me anxiety, Chris? (laughs) What would that be? It's when people don't leave us a five-star review Ah! on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We need those reviews. anyway yeah if you don't mind it literally takes like two seconds to go on your wherever you listen to podcasts and just click that fifth star it helps more people find the podcast especially if you write a little review on apple podcast we always appreciate that it's a really nice thing to do doesn't cost you anything except maybe 30 seconds of your time.
0: And believe it or not, it helps us secure those artists that you want to hear featured here on Chris Demakes a Podcast in the future. So please give us a give us a review. Give us a give us a rating. We'd really appreciate that. And uh, please, if you haven't already, join our supporting cast VIP program over at ChrisDemakes.com for a couple bucks a month. You get bonus episodes. You get to possibly be a contestant on Defeat Demakes, our music trivia game show. Uh, discounts on merchandise and a whole slew of other things. It's a lot of fun. Once again. Again, the supporting cast program can be found at chrisdemakes.com. And if you aren't following me on Instagram, please give me a follow at Less Than Christy. And I'm still writing those custom songs for you or that special someone. Hit me up at chrisdemakes at gmail.com for all that info. And I want to thank this week's guest, Dan Potas, for being here with us. We'll see you next week.